Listener Production. You are listening to episode 190 of the Howie Games Part B, featuring Wallaby legend George Gregan. On we go. Move further forward four years. We've talked about calmness under pressure and what it takes to win. Um, let's talk about losing and what you learn in defeat. World Cup, it, it was it was an amazing time. You know, 100,000-plus at games, There's huge yeah. atmospheres in that World Cup. That's probably what well, would be rugby's highest point uh, to this stage in Australia. It was enormous, massive corporate sponsorships. It was all talked about Johnny Wilkinson, this guy from England, and we saw him and he had that sort of little prayer approach and, yeah. and I, watched, I watched the highlights of the final. But where are you? in extra time when I presume you know the ball's going to Johnny. Yeah. Where are you and what are you thinking and what are you trying to do? Yeah, I'm on his left foot. Like we, it's quite an interesting time because you know what's going to happen. Like we, we Flats kicked another incredible, Elton Flatley kicked another incredible oh, kick yeah. under pressure to, to level it and there's still a little bit of time to go. They go long. Um, we catch by clear to Rogo. Um, he, he clears to just, just near the 40-metre mark. You'd like to have got it a little bit further. I'd like to probably throw in a slightly better pass as well, all those little things. But we, we're sort of near the halfway, which is greasy conditions. We know we have to defend, trust our defence, but you can't go too hard. That's where you've got to be very patient. So you know they're setting up for the field goal. And Johnny had a few cracks during the game and was unsuccessful. And so I'm on, I'm on his left boot. We're all calling it. You get on his right, you get on his left, let's pincer him, all that kind of stuff. Then we go. And he just goes straight to his right boot. We actually didn't really think he was going to hit his right boot because he hadn't hit on his right boot in that test match. So I was going at his left <laughs> and he's on his other side and he knocks it over. Australia come back. Here it is for Johnny. Has he done it? He sure has. Heartbreaker for the Wallabies. Seconds remaining. And that surely is the stairway to rugby heaven. And fair play, they're the moments, you know. He was cool, he was calm, and he executed. Um, and we just, yeah, we just couldn't couldn't get there in time. But we still had a bit of time on the clock, not a lot. We still had time to, to go short. If we caught the, if we caught that ball and we had possession, then we could have marched down there. And we could have just sort of did what we did from pretty much the time we were 14-5 down, find a way to get there, find a way to get a penalty, flats knock it over. And maybe there's another extra time or maybe it went to field goals, but we weren't thinking of, oh, it's all done. Like, let's get the ball. But we didn't get that short kickoff. They catch it. They kick it out. They win. But that's kind of where you're at. And that was kind of, um, I think that's pretty much that mindset of, I think all sporting Aussie teams, to be fair, you don't really quit. But you never give up. Like, you've got to find a way. And so that was that was kind of what it was until I think, was it Caddy? I think Mike Cat kicked it out. Time almost up. Seconds remaining. The player of the tournament, Johnny Wilkinson, has snatched it away from the Wallabies. Is this it? And England has joined Sir Ralph Ramsey's Immortals of 1966. A dramatic, heart-stopping victory for England in extra time. And it was Johnny, 2017, the drop goal to sink the defending champions. 2017 and England a deserved winner, but what an epic battle! It went absolutely. And that was that was the end of it. But we put everything into it. They were just too good at, in those big moments on that day. When the hooter goes and the game is done, and you're giving your all, 
Is that enough or is it devastation? Grant Hackett came on this podcast once, Georgie, and he talked about anything that wasn't a gold medal for him he found disgusting, which I, that was the adjective he used. I found an extraordinary adjective. What what was losing without putting too fine a point no, on it? I know it was a no, long time I'm ago, so 20 years ago, but what was – what, what was losing on your home soil w- with a late heartbreak a lot? It's like it's, it's it's gutting. Like you feel terrible, but at the same time, because you put everything into it and you go, you go extra time. And we just felt like if we got our noses in front, maybe maybe because they were they being fourteen five, they hadn't they hadn't scored a point since the first half, and so they were, there was a bit of yeah, there was a bit of uh, anxiety going through that English team, and if we'd got in front then you just never know. Sport's funny like that. Yep. Like you can change momentum. And then if you if you get in front and all of a sudden, hang on, this wasn't meant to be. Like what's going on here? Like it's just a natural, it's a natural way to um, react. So we just felt we wanted to get in front, but we didn't. We just chased, we chased, we chased. We, we hung in, we hung in. We just will find a way. That was just, that's that group, which I loved about that group. Um, and the morning of that, that test match, to be fair, the guys who weren't part of the, the, the playing squad, so we call them the double dirties. They they had an optional gym session. They did the optional gym session. They all PD'd that, that morning. Like that was a sort of, it was a pretty special group. So that everyone was in the gym and they PB, everyone was kind of, it's PB day, like today's our day. We were going, wow. You know, we, we were really a unique group. Um, you know, I think hence you're playing in a final. There's something special about that group. But you couldn't ask for anything more. So you were gutted. But once again, it comes that moment. And you go to the change room. You get your, you get the you get the the runner up award, which is never great in a final. Like no matter what anyone says, <laughs> like coming second sucks. Mm. Like you look back on it, yeah, yeah, it's great. We played in the final. In finals, you want to win. Not do you, not every, you don't win on all, but that's that's your mentality. Um, but you accept that they were too good on the day. You go back into the change room. You just say, guys, you put. And I say the guys, it's everyone, not just the playing group. It's the coaches. It's everyone video analyst, diet, like just the whole group. And John the, John Howard at that stage, and fair play to him, he was a great prime minister in terms of he'd always support us, win, lose, or draw. He came to the change room. He just said, you know what, everyone grab a drink, grab a beer, let's toast our effort in the Rugby World Cup 23. Close, no cigar, but you know what? So proud. What can you do? You left it all out there. We just came up short. So let's let's look after each other. Really good at that. Stay close. And, um, you know, we'll have some time to celebrate what's been a great World Cup. And it was. And we sort of did that. We went back to the hotel. I think Brian Brown, <laughs> good friend of ours, Sam Neal and Brian Brown used to come to those types of games. So they came, we invited them into a sort of family fair and Brownie gave a <laughs> gave a speech about stop being so miserable. It's like a funeral. Our bloody wallabies, you were fantastic. I'm being very G-rated for Brian Brown. <laughs> and um, <laughs> it was great. It set the tone. And I remember <clears throat> family, friends, you know, Steve Rogers or the late Steve Rogers, Matty Rogers, old man was there. We had a great time. Um, and we just celebrated, wow, that's that sport. And they're, they're, they're the moments that you do remember as well. But uh, unfortunately, that's that's the nature of a final. We would have been the first team to go back-to-back. So we were fully aware of chasing history. Like the All Blacks did it 2011, 2015, but we were trying to do that in 2003 and we knew how big that was. So, no, the effort was amazing just a little bit short mate what can you do that is sport and that's what you learn i think sport's great for that you, you absorb that you learn from it and the effort is um what puts you in a position to get there in the first place so you never lose sight of that as well the year prior to that the bled low 2002 
Matt Burke kicks a penalty after the hooter to win it. Amazing scenes, amazing scenes. He's done it. The hooter's gone. The Bledisloe Cup remains on Australian soil and Matthew Burke is the hero. You're in charge of the whole operation. If I said to you, as you're walking off the pitch, George, that was bloody fantastic. I've jumped in the old Back to the Future time machine. In 2023, we won't have achieved this again in that, what is that? What, yeah. How long is that? 20, 20, yeah, 21, 21 years. years. Like you would not have believed me. You, you would have just no. said, you're kidding yourself. Yeah. So what's happened? Yeah. Well, the All Blacks, New Zealand have got really good at enjoying those pressure moments, I must admit. Prior to that, I don't think they were great at it. Okay. Um, and we knew that. And they're always, a, they're always a world, the world's best team in terms of performing, but they were a bit, they're, they're a bit flaky under the gun and you just had to hang with them. And when I say flaky, like it's, it's not, and I'll probably get abused by all the Kiwi supporters, but the, the facts were in that period when we played, when we had success, we won more than we lost those narrow games for, for that reason. They're the best front runners, I think, in the world. Like, if you better be ready to dance with the All Blacks at the beginning of a game with intensity, speed, skill. If not, they'll blow you off the park. And they're relentless. They're they're ruthless in terms of just putting teams away. But if you if in the arm wrestle and you you're in a really tough contest and it's it's going to go down to the wire, then we we were good. That group was very good, and we really we looked forward to those moments. And I've heard Steve Hansen and, and other groups can. <clears throat> The All Blacks in New Zealand set up and Richie McCall, they, they, they spoke about it's a privilege and they run towards it. And, and that mentality, you hear that a lot these days, was very much our mindset with that group. We, we, we'd like to win. We'd like to have won more test matches by bigger margins. But when it mm. became tight and it became, okay, we're going down the last quarter, we're going down the stretch, it's all about executing in these big moments, let's find a way, we, we, we really enjoyed those. We prepared for them and we look forward to it and we, we sort of ran towards that. And then I think when, when you get in a winning habit, winning close matches, you know what I mean? Like look at the Aussie cricketers now. They've won two, they potentially could have lost these first two. Absolutely. But they've found a way to win. You know what I mean? There's something about that. That's what makes teams great. And there's people in that team which really look forward to those moments. We had a lot of those players. And I think the All Blacks have really developed that. And they, 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 they spoke about the elephant in the room. Richie McCall spoken about it. I've heard others speak about it. And then they went on a run. Like during that period when Richie, when, not when he first took over as captain because they, they did the same thing. They got beaten by France in 2007 when we got beaten by England at, um, mm. in Marseille. We had a bloody good team, as did they. But you didn't turn up on the day and you're on the, you're on the next flight home. And so it hits you pretty hard in a World Cup. So you, you, you've really got to be prepared with that mentality and mindset when those games turn around. And they've just became really good from that moment. They win 2011 by the narrowest of margins. France could have, should have, but they didn't. So they win by point at, at Eden Park. It's a sense of relief. I think Richie was on one foot. And then they then they go on a run. They go on and they're winning at 90 plus percent for like forever till 2015. They were an incredible team. And they won those close moments. They come from behind. They find a way to win. And for us, we just we just lost our ability to win those tight matches. Um, and I think we've had plenty of opportunities um, over the years to to win them. But there's been plenty of letters lows, which were the decider. Yeah, sure. At at Eden Park, they make a big deal of it, but it it's there. 
someone's going to do it. I was hoping it was going to be me when I was playing. That's a long time ago now. And it will happen. This group will have, someone's going to have to take that step. And you need to take that step from the group. When I talk about the group with the Wallabies, we took the step in 1998. We got beaten badly in 96, 97, 95 by that all-black team. And we'd had kind of enough. And then 98 came around. We won one. Then we beat them in, we beat them in um, Christchurch. Then we beat them again in Sydney, coming back, having off the defeat against South Africa in Johannesburg. And we beat them 3-0. And it was kind of, hang on, we, we, we've turned the corner. And I think you need to do – and that group, it's funny that the muscle memory and those those moments, they stay and they linger with that group. And then you look forward mm. to those next times that you play and you don't have this hang-up. Oh, have we done it? Have we not? You've got that experience, that winning experience. And it's very, very important. It's hard, but it's very, very important. And um, once you've done it, you can continue to do it. And I think you see that across all sport. Back to George in a tick, to be fair. To be fair, I haven't done rugby justice in the podcast to date. It has been underrepresented in the back catalogue, which many passionate rugby fans have quite rightly let me know about. Fair enough. But one of our extremely popular episodes was dual international Matt Rogers back in episode 166. A League and Union star, Matt has got quite the story to tell. I think you wrote in your book your dad negotiated a contract for you for, I know, was it 350 grand a year? Two, 250 grand. I was on, a week, like two weeks earlier, I was on 40 grand. Wow. And um, did a deal. I, did a, I, did, I negotiated a deal myself, <laughs> which, you know, I was, I was 18 years old and I got <laughs> pulled into a room with News Limited boss Ken Cowley and our football manager on my own. At 18? At 18. And to be fair to say, you'd wagged a few years of school as well, so yeah. your maths might have not have been that sharp. Oh, no, no. So um, I ended up, I ended up, uh, no lie, like I go in there and like Ken Cowley, it's like, so the Super League's going to happen, blah, blah, blah. And like, this was after a game in, in WA and my mum and dad were living in Darwin at the time and I couldn't get onto them. So I'm like, I'm trying to ring dad to say, what do I do here? But dad was out you know, partying with his mates or whatever, so I couldn't get onto him and mum. And, and I ended up in this room, like I said, with probably, you know, like Rupert Murdoch's right-hand man and probably the shrewdest negotiator in sport, Shane Richardson, and an 18-year-old me. And it, it was pretty easy negotiation for them. They said, here's 100 grand, 120 grand, 140 grand for the next three years. And if you sign it right now, we'll give you this $25,000 check. And you're on 40 grand at the time? I was on 40 grand at the time. So as if so, I'm not going to say yes to that. It's a 300% but pay rise. I just signed. That is Matt Rogers on episode 166 of the podcast. Let's get back to George. You went and played in Japan. Um, one of my favourite episodes of this show was when Ange Postacoglu came on the second time and talked about going to coach FC Yokohama and, you know, he's obviously off now and he's gone to Down Scotland the road, and now Tottenham. he's in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. and he's, he's, you know, he's a he's star, amazing. that man. Um, but he, he was talking about, like, the, the language difficulties and, and he had a translator to try and translate plays to the, the, the Japanese players, then the, the French players. What, what, was, what was life like as a professional athlete in Japan from a cultural perspective? Like, I presume you had your family with you. You get there and, and yeah. it's, it's a very different place. What was it like? Yeah. You look like a man place. that would have embraced it. It really is a special place. They love their sport. They're passionate. When they love a sport, they get right behind it. Football, um, J-League. Ainge went over there and did a great job with Yokohama. Baseball's huge. 
um, rugby now has just gone to that next level. We've seen how, how the national teams performed in the last two World Cups based off the fact of what was done prior. They, they, they soak it up. They want to get better. They want to improve. They want to learn from the best. Super respectful. Their work ethics, like, unbelievable. But at the same time, it can be a little bit over the top. And sometimes you need to tell them to pull back. So they'd train for, like, two to three hours on the pitch when you could probably knock that off over time. They were unbelievable. They became, they became Spartan athletes in my final year. And it was one of the most fun years of my playing career because that, just the way everyone played and, and enjoyed it, and it was a challenge, and we saw the results. But we'd gone down that path a year before. We probably thought it was a two-year operation to get them thinking. Within the first year, we're playing in two finals. We win the Japan Cup. You're going, okay, wow, these guys are very fast learners and quick adopters of the best possible practices. And you can see why they do well in all the sports because of that mindset. And so respectful um, of people to the point where, like, <laughs> someone like Eddie, who's the, the Kanto coup, they call it, he had to run off the field to make sure that everyone got off the field to do the recovery. Because if he stayed on the field and was looking at people, then someone would feel, oh, the cancer coup hasn't left the field, so I've got to stay on the field. Really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so Eddie was pretty good at running off the field. He had the trainings. I was privileged enough to go there and work on the Formula One Grand Prix for three or four years in a row. Did, did you find yourself in any interesting cultural experiences where it was just like, oh, wow, I wasn't expecting that? Yeah, I've had a few. Like, well, plenty there with the guys because – they were such beautiful, they're just beautiful people. So, and I'm being biased, the Suntory guys are really special. It's a good, great, great place, great company to, to work for and obviously play rugby for. Beers are good. Um, they do nice whiskey. I have a regret. I probably should have bought Yamazaki whiskey <laughs> and stored that <laughs> like back in the day before the world got a taste of it because it's amazing. But the guys, like I, I'd go out with them socially and I'd, I'd ask them not to speak English. I wanted them to speak Japanese. And I'll be like, we'd do lessons twice a week. And then you have your formal lessons, but it's like when you learn any language, there's the formal way of talking, there's how people talk. Yes. And so in football and on the, on the pitch, you're not going to talk like you're speaking to the emperor of Japan, like it's quite direct and that's a shorter form. So I was just learning all that and being around the guys was fantastic. And uh, we, did, we did a couple, so they love a karaoke. And there was this, I'm not going to sing it, but there was this uh, bounce with me, bounce, baby, bounce, bounce, bounce. And then that's a bit, that's the English. And then then they sing it in Japanese. And so that was part of like our training camp up in Abashiri to escape the heat of um, Tokyo because Tokyo gets really, really hot in July. And so we went and did a karaoke at the end of that training week, which is a really hard week. I know you're doing about 50 Ks. On, it was amazing how hard they work in that period and you're playing games as well. So at the end of it, you, you go as a group and you have your ramens, you have these beautiful yakinikus and then we have a few drinks and there's a bit of a dance with the whole team and it's almost like a karaoke off in the team room. <laughs> and it was a bounce with me bounce. The guys were showing me this one and we had that on tape and it was brilliant. And so that was kind of like bounce with me bounce. So every time we had a good um, we had a good win or we had a good victory by towards the end of the season. We didn't do it every match. The bounce with me bounce would come out and we'd be doing that dance. It was very, very, very funny. And um and also just like if you go out with ramen with the Japanese boys, it's like like you're not meant to cut the noodle, like you're meant to you make, yeah. makes quite a noise. And so and there's a real skill in that. And <laughs> let's see us Gaijin us foreigners trying to do that and they go and they just say to you cut okay George cut okay and you can cut it with your chopsticks it's okay you can bite like you, <laughs> you're still on training wheels but no so many good so many good moments with the Japanese boys and uh, with their families as well 
really good, really good, good times. What, what a wonderful thing to be able to travel professionally and, and ply your trade in wonderful parts of the world like that. I mentioned at the start your, your sensational business career and you, you had the coffee and then restaurants and now you're in, in health and fitness. We've talked about the lessons you learned from sport, but a lot, a lot of business people listen to this show, which is we're blessed by that. Have you had a moment in business which most businesses go through in growth stages where you thought, oh, oh what, what, what's happening here or in a bit of bother here? I'm sure it hasn't all yeah. been plain sailing. And, it hasn't. Uh, give me an example of that and what you've done in a situation like that because, you, you know, you've been very, very successful in a variety of businesses. Yeah, we have, but also learned some lessons along the way. So I think from the transition of sport and business, I think you've got to have that adjustment. You've got to have key um, fundamentals, sound fundamentals, I think the cash flow is very, very important in all businesses. I could come without that, you, it's really hard to move forward. And then that may, helps you make good decisions. I think, um, and part of making good decisions is is that make a decision. Otherwise, it's not always going to be. Don't wait for the perfect time. Um, get the information that you need. Um, have people around you who you trust, and let's make a conscious decision. That's what we're going to. We'll live by that, and we have to make some adjustments on the way we can. But yeah. If you if you're indecisive, you freeze. It's yeah, it's uh, it, it can it can really hurt you. So I think that's there's some of the key learnings. And it's like a good team. Just need good people. Understand their role, doing their job, being able to communicate really well is very very critical too. Well, all, it sounds all simple. It's all the simple stuff, but I think that really matters. And then people are comfortable. People can go about doing their job. So that, that's advice in a business sense. We always finish this podcast, George, in the same way. Um, about the young people that are listening and you've had a tremendous amount of success that are hoping, I always pull out examples, whether they want to be a concreter or a concert pianist, whatever it is they want to be, what have you learnt along your journey that you would pass on to those young people as to how they could go about achieving success that's worked for you, Georgie? Yeah, I think to me it doesn't matter what you choose. Like choose a path. I've heard um, passing on some great things I've learned. Choose a path and, and run down it. Like really, go after it. Um, and it, it might take you time for you to find that. But you, in that time that you are choosing the path you want to run down, just work on the little skills which are going to improve you. And I think if you if you've got that ability to work hard and listen, then yeah, the world is your oyster. And don't be don't be worried about making mistakes. Like mistakes, like that's human nature. That's where you learn, and that's how you get better. I think the improvement is obviously not repeating bad mistakes, but embracing them, learning from them. One thing you can control is your attitude. Going there with a positive attitude. Um, I use that word growth mindset, and you, you'll win the day. Oh, they're the people you want to be around. Yeah, and and that's a can-do attitude. That's what I, I love. That don't like. You probably get a sense. I don't like people who say can't a lot. Take the tea out of it because you can find a way to do something. Um, and that's really important. Love it. Hey, George, you've obviously got so much going on in your life. I really appreciate your time and taking us back to what has been the golden years of Australian rugby, mate. Stay safe. You're a legend of Australian sport and it's been a real treat for me to have a chat with you, mate. Always a pleasure. Ah, 
Georgie Cregan. What a ripper. I hope it gave rugby fans and sports fans, podcast fans, all of you something to smile about. One of those episodes conducted, unfortunately, over Zoom, which I was spewing that we weren't able to do in person as George could not have been nicer. Just a really good dude. Hope your day is full of happiness. Until next week with surfer Tyler Wright. Peace and love. And we can do it if we try, try, try. If we try, try, try If we try, try, try